0: Good evening and welcome to Malden 02148. I'm your guest host this evening, Ed Lucy, and I uh, have as my guest uh, a local resident, well known, uh, Paul Hammersley, who is um, here to talk about a, a subject that's serious and um, important to not even not just anybody in the city, but almost everybody is affected directly or indirectly. Yeah, mm. and it's, um, Talked about, maybe give me a little bit background on, on your organization, Paul. Yes,
1: yeah, sir. First off, how are you? Nice to see you. Uh, my
0: hands are cold. That's okay. You awesome. wall. All right. Yeah, there yeah, you yeah. go.
1: Um, so, yeah, I'm Paul Hammersley. I'm the president of Malden Overcoming Addiction, um, and we're just a local coalition, 501c3, here in the city, and uh, we're just helping folks, and we're raising awareness, and, and we're getting people... Um, the resources they need that might be struggling with um, substance use disorder, you know, people that um, have challenges and and, and need help. So that's what we're doing here in the city.
0: Now, um, This has been – how long has the organization actually been in in existence?
1: So we're three years old. Uh, We're coming up on our third anniversary, but we're um, with the 501c3 status. That's about a year in, but Mm -hmm. we're currently – we've been here in the city for three years working with the residents.
0: And is, is it uh, mostly a volunteer organization?
1: It's all volunteer. Oh,
0: it's all volunteer.
1: None of us have been paid yet, and we're we're working towards that goal. And as the show progresses, we can talk about that. But we're we're working many angles to try to get funded right. for for certain yeah, parts of our yeah, program. Yeah.
0: For the uh, few that may not know what a five hundred one c organization is, um, that's a nonprofit. That's a nonprofit. And that also. Uh, is an incentive for those people, not only because it's a worthy cause, but also it's tax-deductible if, if you make a contribution.
1: That's correct. Yeah, yeah we, we're tax-exempt, and that's correct.
0: Right. Um, when I read an article that you, you, in the newspaper recently, uh, you had... Um, a graduation.
1: Yes, we we did a recovery coach academy, so that's one of the main um, initiatives that we that we're running. It's right. it's recovery coaches.
0: Yeah, and I see that there's a bit about approximately 85 people have been through the
1: program. Yes, we we're up to 83 this year. We've right. graduated 83 people thanks okay. to the Malden Fire and Police Department um, giving us the grants to to run that program. That program is not it's not free. Right. We have to pay for it. And thanks to the Malden Police and Fire Department, we're able to train people.
0: I see. And when you say uh, pay for it, is, is it pay for uh, what are your expenses related to that? Uh, the
1: training, uh, the training costs roughly sixty-five hundred dollars to bring in trainers. It's a four-day training. Right. Um, it's eight hours a day, and people get trained. Um, it's thirty hours total. I so saw that in the we paper we run it on a Thursday, Friday, Thursday, Friday, so people don't miss much work. Right. There's two trainers that come down. There is um, there's lots of stuff involved to right. to keep it going.
0: Now, those trainers come from where?
1: Those particular trainers were from New Hampshire. There are Massachusetts trainers, but we've landed a couple of great trainers that train both in Mass and New Hampshire, yeah. and we're comfortable with them and we've run three five trainings with the same two trainers. Right.
0: And where do you meet?
1: Uh, they come here. So uh, basically everything's done on email. We The first Recovery Coach Academy we did in Malden High School. Okay. Um, the second one we also did in Malden High School, but now we're in the Malden Senior Center. Okay. Um, Karen Hayes, Karen Colon Hayes has been gracious enough to work very closely with us and um, provide that space for us. She's been amazing.
0: Uh, you said this: 83 people have gone through the orientation program. That's right. Um, and where uh normally would the volunteer because there again there 'll be volunteers in the program they 're
1: working directly with us right now They are. yes um,
0: and now where would they um uh, uh, kind of profile the, the typical person that would come forward that'd be interested in spending four days and mm-hmm. in getting involved and then participating after the after that
1: so we run a uh, a pretty vigorous um You know, it's almost another training in itself. So people, they answer our email, they fill out the application. You know, we run a corey check. Then there's an interview process. There is an informational video process. So they have to, on top of the training, they're meeting us at least for two or three more hours prior to the training, as we see if it's a right fit for them and what we're offering. And we can talk about exactly what the recovery coaches do. But it's not just anybody comes in and and we put them through the training. They go through a bit of a process to see if it's something that would work for them as well as us.
0: And what's their motivation for the most part?
1: Their motivation is basically everybody, um, a, a lot of people we're dealing with want to give back because I call it a pandemic that we're in. We're not in an epidemic. An epidemic is something that is one area. You know, when, when something happens generally in one area and people are dying, lots of amounts of people, they say it's an epidemic. A, a pandemic is more widespread, right. and that's exactly what we're in. So a lot of people want to help and give back. A lot of people, as you said, have been directed um, indirectly or directly affected their lives. They might have lost children. They might have lost a cousin or someone they know. So people are just um, really jumping on board with us to to help us fight this uh this issue in the city
0: yeah now once they complete the program mm-hmm. um what exactly would their, be, their functions be as, as it relates to the, uh, the the problem okay so
1: a recovery coach when you when you finish the training it's to promote recovery remove barriers you're connecting people with resources and you're encouraging hope and optimism it's peer-to-peer So a lot of people just need someone to talk to, someone to guide them, someone to show them where to go. Because a lot of people that get caught up, they don't know what to do. They don't know where the help is. They don't know where the resources are. So they just continue doing what they're doing. And we offer something called a recovery code. So you can fill out an application right on our um, website. And right now we're working directly with Malden Drug Court. So Malden Drug Court has roughly 40 participants that go every Wednesday to to, to court with Judge Barnes up there at Malda Courthouse, and we're in there. So we're, we're seeing, um, you know, I'd say roughly 25 out of the 40 meet with our coaches weekly, and we give reports to the judges. So we, we have roughly right now, we have close to 30 coaches actually working weekly, mm. donating their time.
0: Um. The the, the the court, as a system you just mentioned, for mm-hmm. the 40 participants. Mm-hmm. Um, now, is that the uh, the type of program where now they give an alternative to, to maybe go to jail? Or that's you, correct. Yeah.
1: So in other words, when you end up in drug court, that's usually your last stop um, before you might um, go to an institution. So basically it's your last chance, and a lot of folks that are still using – Um, They're still not doing the right thing. They still, they just don't know the help is out there. So what we provide for them is resources, hope. We give them all sorts of help that they could use to, to better and strengthen their lives. Uh,
0: Not to digress a moment, Mm -hmm. but um, years and years and years ago, before your time, there was Mm -hmm. a program on television, David Susskind, and, um, I recall at that time watching the program, and what they used to do then—and that's a long time ago—drug drug violators were put in jail. Right. There were, and in many instances, there were federal uh, violations, in which case they went to uh, Leavenworth or a similar kind of uh, imprisonment. And even at that time, and the the discussion that night suggested that the system doesn't work because in most instances. Once the person leaves there after they do in prison time, mm-hmm. and whatever potential they may have, they go back to the same environment that caused the problem the first time. That's right. And so, therefore, there were people that would fall and fail not because they didn't want to be clean. It was because the temptations that they succumbed to before they went in came, were still there when they went back out. So. You
1: are 100% correct. Yeah. And um, so to your point, Right now, there's an overcrowding problem that are in, that's in all the prisons, and 80% of people that are in prison or at 77% are tied to either mental illness or drug use. So the answer isn't just to send them and lock them up before they end up going maybe through drug court. The answer is to get them the help that they need because a lot of it's petty crime. Um, so we, we're trying to help folks out beforehand, get them where they need to go, to get them back on track, like you said, so they don't end up going back to the same place doing the same things with the same people.
0: Yeah. Do, do you have some similarity to AA program? Um,
1: you know, it, it's nothing to do with AA or NA, but those are part of our resources for folks. Once we get to know the individual, we could, you know, if they're asking we could recommend that as a part of a resource for them amongst a slew of other things. So we're not directly affiliated with anyone. You no, know, just
0: the concept I was thinking of. You yes, know.
1: yes. So you, we, we could send folks in that direction yeah. if we felt, you know, we, we could just give them that option. That is a resource for something to do on a daily basis to be around other folks that are recovering. Yeah. So that is an
0: option. Yeah, I was thinking where they have, um, AA has sponsors uh, in the sense that's similar to what you're trying to accomplish. With and them.
1: everyone gets it confused. We're not yeah. sponsors. Yeah. Um, so basically, we meet you where you're at. Yeah. It's peer-to-peer. A sponsor is more of um, it's more of a guide to, to do what the sponsor is suggesting you do. That's not why we're here. So, you know, someone might be drinking two six-packs a day and their life's unmanageable. So my job is... How can I get you to drink one six pack a yeah. day? Let, let's wean you down. Yeah. I'm going to meet you right where you're at, and it's okay. But how can we? How can we make? How can we improve your life if you're drinking um, on a regular basis that much alcohol? How is your life? How are you waking up? Are you holding your job down? You know, so things like that. We try to help the person realize, just to try to change their behavior, so their life can become, um, so they can function in society.
0: Yeah. So actually, you're. Uh, you're, you're not just dealing with drug-addicted people. You're dealing with alcoholism in some form. Many times with the young people, it's a double addiction anyway.
1: That's correct, and we're also dealing with families. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're guiding families of people yeah. who who are caught because the family is, is who suffers the most, let's face it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of – I take phone calls daily from, from – from family members that don't know what to do. They have no idea where to turn. So we we provide a lot of resources for family members as well. So we're dealing with drugs. We're dealing with mental illness. We're dealing with families. Um, Yeah.
0: The, um, are they mostly younger people?
1: It ranges. Um, you know, this week I was dealing with two 18-year-old people. Last um, last week there was a gentleman in his 50s. If I was to pick an age range, I'd say it's in between 18 and 40. That's the hot spot.
0: It, it used to be, I think years gone by, that with uh, people that were drug addicted, mm-hmm. that uh, if they didn't die by the time they're 30, they would tend to phase out of the, the addiction and mm-hmm. maybe be able to lead a... They might have had other problems after that, but, but drugs wouldn't have been the but problem after that. You're talking years ago. Yes, right. The drugs have changed. Yes, they certainly have. Yeah, yeah. so
1: so your life expectancy today is um, very short yeah. because of what's out there. You don't know what you're buying. Yeah. There's something out there called fentanyl, and it's it's we're, we're losing six people a day in Massachusetts.
0: Yeah, the astounding thing uh, as, a, as, a, as a national di- uh, di- disaster yeah. and, and, uh, is that... Um, as I mentioned to you in the the telephone, and and sometimes uh, when I get the newspaper and look through it, and you you see young people's obituary, and Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and as you read through it, other than the accents and the the diseases, for the most part, they're either suicides or they're drug addicted. Most families don't put that in the newspaper. Sometimes they do, just to make people aware that it, it can hit even among the people, that yeah. whether you live in Malden or Wellesley or, mm-hmm. or Roxbury or That's Dorchester. Right. The, the problem it does not is, discriminate. Right. And yeah. that um, inv- invariably when you read in the, the, the background of those young people, you say, gee whiz, what a what a waste. And yet uh, in some instances it certainly wasn't something they, they thought was going to happen to them and their families didn't. So I don't, again. That's every instance. Yeah. 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 We've had that in Malden with young People have passed yes, tomorrow. it's uh, yeah. it's
1: it's Malden, it's Everett, it's Somerville, it's Revere, it's yeah. Charlestown, it's it's um, no one is is immune from this, and yeah. you know, white, black, woman, man, it it doesn't matter, it does not discriminate. Every one of us are yeah. affected. Yeah,
0: and it's uh, single or married, also doesn't matter nothing, yet. nothing, yeah. 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 Um, what is your uh, plan of action when you uh, pa- partner with someone who comes to you for help or is referred to you?
1: Every person is different. Um, I Again, I deal with people every day, so there's no two cases that are the same. Some are similar. Um, so I can't give you a course of action that's generally where we go. Um, I'm, I'm placing people. We get detox beds for people. Then from a detox, we'll put you in what they call a CSS, which is a holding patent until a six-month program awaits for you if that's the route you want to go. We have a scholarship program that we run at Malden overcoming addiction because what happens, we'll send someone to a six-day. The detoxes are roughly five to six days.
0: That's a a requirement, I think, to get.
1: But that's all they get, and then the insurance kicks you out. So now, to your point, what happens after the six-day? You're going back home to right exactly where you were six days ago, and all you know is the same thing you were doing. You need more time. You need more treatment. So we offer a scholarship program for Malden residents only that will take you for 30 days and we'll put you in a sober living facility. We'll give you a recovery coach and then it's up to you. We pay for the first four weeks of your sober living, but you need to pick up a job in those four weeks. And on the fifth week, you have to pick up the bill. So we we have that program going. Um, I might deal with a parent. And get so, excuse
0: her. me. That's a resident program. They're in for the month.
1: Yeah, yeah. We okay. we we have affiliations with with certain sober living facilities right. okay. that will accept um, our residents. Right.
0: So they go in for a month or four weeks.
1: Four weeks. But in those four weeks, you have to get a job because right. on the fifth week you have to pick up the rent, and the rent is generally a hundred and sixty dollars a week. It costs more than overcoming addiction. Probably eight hundred dollars to put the person in. But the hardest part is the first 30 days to get back on your feet. So right. that's where we assist you. We we run fundraisers for, strictly for this um, scholarship program. The scholarship program has been amazing. We're helping people. Unfortunately, the failure rate um, is very high.
0: Well, I was, uh, um, was going to ask you that. Yeah. But, but again, that's the, that's the story of life, unfortunately. That's and, correct. And some It's even for the people who go to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that return, uh, the frequency is very high. Um, uh, and and uh, the reason is sometimes they, they go back to the same environment and the frustration of employment, and they have like you said mental illness so they' don't have drug addiction it alcohol, is a disease, and, yeah. and
1: um, you know our goal at Malden overcoming addiction is to save one yeah. it 's all about one person yeah. Yeah. and when you save that one person it 's all worth it yeah. so the work um, the work is tough the work can be um, very tiresome at the end of the day because um Again, the failure rate is very high, but boy, is it rewarding when you help that one person and uh, and, and they make it through.
0: When you have a failure, mm-hmm. is there um, a fallback where they could be res- resubmitted or re- re- re-signed? Uh? We
1: never ever turn anyone away, I see, so, ever. Yeah, yeah. Because if you fall down, you can get back up.
0: Yeah. Um, in yeah. your experience. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, failure rate is, from what kinds of uh, factors? Associated with the same people they used to go with. It. You
1: know, th- there's many. So we lay out, we'll lay out a structure that's based for you. Whatever's going on with you, we lay out sort of a plan for you, a wellness plan, yeah. and it really needs to be followed. Yeah. Um, but what happens is, as days go by and weeks may go by, you start to feel really good. You're you're coming back. And then, you know, you start to think that you might not need that wellness plan anymore. Yeah. Um, and so then you start to take matters back into your own hands. And, and lo and behold, something bites you very quickly. So it's uh, it's constant vigilance. It's sticking to your wellness plan. It's sticking to what got you to that point. And, you know, it, like anything else in this, in this life, um, it's very difficult to achieve um, certain things. If you do not do the right thing, mm-hmm. so you must constantly do the right thing. Stick to the wellness plan that's in front of you, and your life can be beautiful.
0: Um, has it reached the point where any of the people that have gone through the program mm-hmm. have become part of the program? Yes. Oh.
1: Yes, um, I have someone right now. We consider him a a huge success. He is. Um, He's six months still in a sober living facility in Weymouth where we placed him. Um, we paid for his first month and now he's helping to run the house so he's still there um, We have members in our organization who have started with one day and now they're still with us they're they're helping they're volunteering with us um, it's It's amazing to see
0: would would a would a coach um uh, be somewhat similar to uh, a sponsor like AA has?
1: Um, you know, the the, the similarities aren't, aren't... The idea is there, but the similarities are not. It's two different things. Um, and it, that's where people might get it confused. The coach and a sponsor are two directly different things, but essentially you could look at it as someone helping someone, yeah. but they're yeah. doing two different things. Again, a coach... A sponsor really won't work with someone that's using if you're continuously using the sponsor will say call me when you're ready
0: yeah
1: you know um but a recovery coach never ever turns their back on you no matter what ever we're we're going to take that call every time
0: even at three o'clock in the morning even at
1: three o'clock in the morning (laughs) we're going to take that call we're going to talk to you and you know we're gonna be on the other end no matter what for for you yeah you know
0: yeah uh, you, you mentioned, uh, like, fundraisers. What type of programs do you have for that?
1: So we run, um, we had one big one last year. We do a comedy night at the Irish American, and this year it's going to be, um, I want to say it's May 3rd. Uh, it's, I think it's a Wednesday night. I'd have to double-check the calendar, but keep in, in touch with our Facebook page, Malden Overcoming Addiction Facebook. We, we post it on there, but we run a comedy night. You know, where last year I think we had 350 people show up, raffles, um, there was comedy, there was music, and we just sell tickets, we raise money. And, and um, it, it sounds
0: like that was successful. It then. was
1: very successful. Yeah. We uh, we raised quite a bit of money, and, and that's why we're still putting people through the scholarship program. But up until that night, we, we were taking money out of our pockets. I there see. was five or six core members that, yeah. w- you know, we were just taking money yeah. from our own bank accounts.
0: Yeah. Now, um, I saw um, recently you, was, you were given a, a, a donation uh, yeah. by a local organization. Which Frank is, says hi. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: They, amazing. They they recognized the work we were doing, and they gave us $1,500. Right, yeah. Yeah, um, junior aid, and um, probably six months ago. No, last year, I'm sorry. Last year at this time, they gave us a grant for $2,000. Yeah. yeah, they did. Um, yeah. We're being recognized this year by the um, – The CCC, the Chinese Cultural Connection, they're bringing us in for, you know, for what we're doing here in the city. We got that um, notice just yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been – people are really reaching out. They're helping us. It's been amazing. But I have to say um, the support we receive and why we're doing so well, because there's coalitions in every city, and not everyone is getting – is doing as well as we are in it. It's not because of just Malden overcoming addiction and the people in it. This starts at the top. This starts with the mayor. This starts with the police chief, the fire chief. Like when people at the top at the, the state house, our senators, our state reps, everyone is lobbying for us. They're pulling for us. They're really trying to help us. We're, we're, we're really close to building a recovery center in the city, but everyone is supporting us and not all our surrounding cities have that support. So that's why we've been very fortunate here in Malden. Malden is amazing at what they're doing for the residents. So we're getting the support from up top. That's why we're being so successful because it's a whole city coming together to try to help each other.
0: Now, the the, uh, the article that I read uh, uh, indicated that the police and the fire had a, a grant, uh, which was was the source of your funding for that.
1: For, for that recovery coach program, yeah, yes. Yeah, they, yeah. they they get grant um, grants for their NARCAN and things, and they, they ask us if there was um, anything that we needed during the year. Yeah. And, you know, I submit it to them, and, and they, they help us the best they can, but they help every year. Yeah. And, and we're running trainings for our coaches. We do something called Pledge for Malden, which is for the 5th to 8th grade kids. We, we we are educating students. Um we have, some, we have six events a year. Uh, we, we educated 3,000 students last year on stigma. I went into each classroom um, across the city. We do it every April. We're doing yeah. it again this April. Yeah,
0: yeah. So. Now, there was also um, a, a bill just recently passed, I saw in the newspaper, on fentanyl. Yeah. And I don't know how much effect that really has. Uh, what how, was the bill? It was the one that Markey, uh, Senator Markey, had uh, sponsored. Mm-hmm. And the, the the president had comment on the fact that uh, it was a Democrat. It was one of the few times, maybe, that the Democrats and the Republicans agreed on anything. Right. And it it had, I think more um, it seemed to be more directed at maybe uh, uh, funding uh, uh, border patrol people uh, doing some other of those kinds of uh, electronic surveillance, which which might be helpful. But I, I think it was more in the way of law enforcement to to stop the flow of drugs into this country. Right. And um, history has suggested that whatever you do in that area, the people that have the opportunity to make a lot of money from the sale of drugs tend to find a different way to, to uh, be successful in selling their product, which mm-hmm. unfortunately impacts negatively the people that, they, that are in need. I agree. Uh, and uh, so those sorts of things, whether, I mean, maybe they, they, when they get the wall built across the country, that will stop them from coming in. But it's unlikely. still going to be here. Yes, um, absolutely. Uh, what we
1: need, and I'll just be blunt, we need funding and we need it now. They're all talking a good game. Yeah. No one's coming up with the money. Yeah. Like we're trying to build a recovery center. We have a spot in the city. We have the jobs laid out. We have the partners laid out. We have everything laid out. We can't get the funding. No one is, seems to be coming up with the funding, and it starts as high as the president. Right. He talked about a national emergency. He talked about many things, but he didn't give any money. Yeah, Th- There's no funding, so yeah. we need the funding. So yeah. you can build a wall. You can do what you want. The drug use is still going to be an issue. Mm. We have to help the people who are suffering right now. That's the problem. We're in the middle of a national emergency.
0: You you mentioned the number of deaths in in Massachusetts. I saw saw the figure nationally. uh, I mean, maybe the news figures I saw was like 2015, but it was in the thousands cross-country. It it might have been been 30-some-odd thousand.
1: It's it's higher than that if you were going to go cross country because it was uh, in two thousand fifteen just in Massachusetts it was two thousand in
0: Massachusetts alone it was and, and you know in it's, it's a lot. in sixteen
1: it. it was 2000, oh, 2,100 deaths in Massachusetts
0: yeah and and Manchester New Hampshire has a, has had a serious problem for some reason it's everywhere yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and,
1: and it, we need funding yeah you know I believe it's education. So I went to a summit. I went to a fentanyl summit in Washington. And the way the gentleman explained this to me, he said, you'll be dead. Your kids will be dead. Their kids will see the difference. So I said, I don't understand. Please explain. And he put it to me in terms of a cigarette. He said, do you remember... He goes, You wouldn't remember, you weren't born yet. But in the 1920s and the 1930s, cigarettes, nine out of 10 people smoked. It was accepted everywhere. The 40s and 50s, it was Joe Cameron, the Marlboro man. Everyone smoked. Then by the 60s, they they realized the secondhand smoke and cancer. People were dying. This went on. By the year 2000, eight out of 10 don't smoke. It's not accepted anywhere. It took two, two cycles. And now to this day, almost 100 years later, almost no one smokes. It's not accepted anywhere, so it's gotten a lot better. And he put it that way. It's, it's going to be the same way. As they said to me, they said, Godzilla's is not here yet. This is going to get 100 times worse before it gets better. So as far as I'm concerned, it starts with the kids. I feel we need health class. We need to bring health class back right across the board as low as kindergarten. We have to start educating our kids at that age because by the time they're 6 years old, I'm sorry, by the time they're 12 and 13, 6th grade, when someone offers them something, if they're armed with enough information, they'll say no. Right now, they, they, no one's teaching them anything about this. So the cycle, we're helping people on the wheel at, at this level. We're helping, we're helping, they're dying, they, and they're still coming up. No one's helping the kids that are coming up. So we have to get in. And I don't mean teaching the kids about drugs in kindergarten. I'm talking about a curriculum that would be strength building, positive affirmations in kindergarten, so on and so on, where there's a class every year and the curriculum gets a little bit deeper each year. But by the time they're in sixth grade, they're going to know what drugs is, what fentanyl is, what an overdose is. And then they're going to know what not to do. I feel the kids, it starts and ends with, with that generation. We have to educate our children. So it's as simple as being at home as parents, like educating our kids. It's as simple as parents coming out, getting informed, getting the information until we can get it in the schools. That, that's my feeling.
0: Now, you, do you actually have an office here, Baldwin? You said a site. I didn't know what. The- no,
1: we're working. Uh, we meet monthly. Um, we're out of the police station right now. We meet in the community room the fourth Wednesday of every month so we actually have a meeting um the fourth wednesday 6 p.m in the malden police station Um, we're working on many things right now we're trying to get the center Um, we're we're shooting for grants for getting our recovery coach program funded so we're on the cusp of everything everything's happening very quickly but we're here we have a website www.maldenovercomingaddiction.com you can get us on Facebook, Malden Overcoming Addiction. that's where you get all the information, daily updates. We post where the beds are daily if you if you need assistance. Um, on Twitter, we're at Malden Overcomes. We're on Instagram at Malden Overcomes. so you can just get us it, it, just at the touch of a button. Yeah. you know you can fill out a form if you need help. everything goes directly to my phone and then I disperse it. I have a recovery coach coordinator. I have a placement coordinator if you need a bed. We're placing people every week, you know. We have a scholarship program, like I said. So, we're here
0: now. Do you have a board? Uh, yes, uh, okay. we do.
1: We have a functioning board. Um, yeah, we. It, it's everything is it's it's on the way. We have seven people on the board. Yeah.
0: Now that fourth Wednesday is that for the board or is that for nope?
1: The- that's an open meeting for. Um, for, for Maldon Overcoming Addiction, for anyone in the city who wants to come and just hear what we're up to, what we're doing. It ranges, some, some months I have 12 people, some months we have 35. Yeah. And we meet monthly because, again, um, we have six events a year. So every couple of months we have an event that needs a lot of planning. We have a lot of things for folks to do.
0: And that's a fundraising uh, event?
1: Not everything's fundraising. We have two fundraisers, and then we have events where we just give back to the city. Oh, I see. We, yeah.
0: The, that's the fourth Wednesday you meet?
1: The fourth men- Wednesday in the Malden Police Station at um, in the community room, 6 p.m.
0: Which is now on Eastern Avenue for those who haven't had the reason to know the police. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and it's a new station, so you might get it just It's actually beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. How there. the date has become. But anyway. Now, um, you have the two fundraisers, and... Um, I'm trying to think now in terms of the public. If someone wanted to contact you, they could, they could do, as you mentioned, the various options electronically?
1: Electronically, or you can just simply dial my phone number at 781-838-2203.
0: Right. And I want you to yeah. repeat that, but slowly. For those of the us phone available.
1: number is 781-838-2203.
0: Right. And, and for the people that are listening... Um, Typically what happens in an organization, uh, when you started, as Paul had mentioned early on, um, it appears that it not only is it uh, still striving to get f- stabilized uh, funding, but also uh, he's indicated that uh, some of the time, and particularly in the beginning, they've been self-funded, which means you're not only giving up your time and your effort, but you're also reaching in your own wallet to, uh, to float some of these uh, opportunities yes. for people. We yeah. did
1: that the first two years, and, um, you know, we, we didn't fold. We stuck, we stuck to it, and right. now we haven't had to do that. Um, we've been blessed this year. Some right. people have donated. We have, like, just enough funds right now to get by, so we always ask people. You can donate on our website. There's a Donate button. If anybody had anything they wanted just to donate right. to our cause, you can, yeah. you can go right to the website. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, if someone wanted to explore the option of maybe becoming a, a, a coach, Mm-hmm. What would the procedure be for them? So here,
1: here's the next. Um, so we just put in for another grant. Um, I, I put in for it last this through, week. Through the city? Yeah, yeah. Um, I asked for it. I don't know if we're going to get uh, it. Um, yeah. so no, I'm but, look- excuse
0: me. How about the MRA? Are you, uh, um, um, have you been able to uh, use those? Or
1: we haven't talked to um, anyone other than the fire and police. Um, for the time being, but we are looking for funding at every possible option. But I haven't spoke with the MRA yet.
0: Yeah, I saw something in the paper. Uh, they have to do public notices when, and they have a portion of the monies that they get, uh, CBDG money, whatever. Right. Right. And that's given out for a lot of different types mm-hmm. of things locally. Mm-hmm. So. I, I, without trying to suggest you could follow my uh, comments oh i will i will look i will look into that <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: and if anyone wants to help they can contact us because yeah. we need all the as everyone knows yeah. it affects us all and funding does provide the help that yeah. folks need yeah.
0: well uh, one of the things that uh, uh i think has uh, been again a, a part of the problem is uh there's a, such a thing as enabling and um that's uh, uh, family members and friends, um, in some instances, try to help a person by maybe, uh, it's not necessarily the opposite of tough love, but they either ignore what they're doing wrong, the person, or they end up uh, indirectly helping them, but not intentionally, but they provide financial support and other means, in which case the person isn't really benefiting from it, if anything. Maybe they're spiraling downward all the time. because. They have these fallback options.
1: So there's three words I like to use for a person who's caught up that might be using. um, It's cunning, baffling, and insidious. And that person no longer exists because you're dealing with the chemical at this point. And that person, when it becomes a family member and that person is lying to you, you want to believe them so much. Because then they start telling you what they're going to do. If you don't give me this money, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And you're convinced that you have to help your son or your daughter. And meanwhile, you are enabling. So it's very, very difficult. You got to talk to a professional to get help. Because ultimately, you know, the person is going to take as much as they can possibly take. They'll never stop. I know this firsthand. Um, you just have to, you use the word tough love um, you have to talk to somebody to get some help, Mm -hmm. enabling is the worst thing you can do and all you're going to get back is manipulation and lies from the person that's using it's never the truth, until they get well you're not dealing with that it's the disease is what you're talking Mm -hmm. to you're not talking to your son or your daughter you're talking to the disease and and they're going to do whatever they can to get whatever they can get from you. And it's, um, it's a very bad place yeah. to be in. Yeah. And there's help for that. That's what we do. We try to help parents and guide them or loved ones. You know, there's something called learn to cope. And they run all kinds of meetings with all sorts of parents that are in there together. Of, and they have family members who are using. And parents meet and they get resources and they share information. And, and and that's you know we can provide all that for the family.
0: Would well, you be in a position at some point maybe if someone came to you with a family member or a close friend who was in a downward spiral to uh, after they tell you the background and whatever to suggest to them don't do it anymore don't don't give them housing don't
1: I did it yesterday. Uh, oh, you did. Yeah, this was uh, there's a I've been talking to a friend of mine and I'm um, a woman and. She's struggling with her daughter. But again, um, until the person wants help, like there's nothing a parent can do for the child. And it's the hardest thing in the world is to not be able to help your child. If your child doesn't want help, you can drag them over hot coals, run them through a room of fire. If they're going to use drugs, they're going to do it. And you can't stop them. So until they want the help, there's nothing you can do, but you have to help yourself because you're not going to be well until you need help. And that's, that's a big issue right now. It's families need help. Families of people who are using have to get some help, and we can provide those resources for you.
0: Um, the coaches that you, you have uh, put through the program, mm-hmm. uh, are there more um, male than female? Or more? No, it,
1: it, it varies, and um, some are in recovery and some are what we call allies. So some are not in recovery. They just want to help, and they can talk to other family members. So there's many different varieties. So, for instance, when my phone rings, people put they submit forms to me. If you need a recovery coach, you have to go through a an application. So you submit it to me. I read it. I send it to my recovery coach coordinator, who then looks at the form. And then we look at our coaches and we look at our coaches strengths and weaknesses, the age of the coach, the age of this person, this person's using heroin or this per, you know, whatever the case may be, we try to match up the coach to the individual the best we can. So that's what we're doing right now. So the, cause the website, the phone rings daily, the, the, the things, the emails come in daily, yeah. you know? And so we match them up the best we can. Some work, some don't, some people aren't ready. They just, if somebody sends in a submission, they're near the end they want help they just don't know how to they don't know how to stop
0: yeah well you don't have that intervention system where they no. the families and friends we we don't we don't up, no we,
1: we don't do that the, yeah we don't do that i'm not saying that to do it or not to do it it works it doesn't work that's not what we yeah, do
0: yeah. that that program which i've watched over the, mm-hmm. time to time um seems to focus uh, on, and of course there are extreme cases when they get to that point anyway, uh, Mm -hmm. but that they, uh, long-term recovery. They're they're not talking in terms of a month. They're looking at uh, sometimes... Months, multiple months, and over. that's what we provide. Yeah. So I, in, in a, in, they'll in, send
1: them to Florida. Yeah. Or or somewhere like that yeah. for a six month program. Right. And if you if you fully watch that program at the end, it'll say so and so either made six months or after three months yeah. left, yeah. and that's that's what we deal with. Sure. So we have, I, I can get someone to bed, you know, right now for a detox, and then like I said, it goes to, there's a process: detox, CSS, TSS, then to the actual six-month program and that's our hopes that we tell every single person you you need more treatment it's always more treatment more treatment is what's going to help you and if you can get into a six-month program you you have a really good shot you just have to do the work
0: do do you have um um, on the on on this uh process where you have to go into a a detox other people that don't have any insurance how do they get paid there's get paid?
1: there's some detoxes have they provide there the state still offers a couple of beds so they do um with if no, they're available if they're available and and generally we have really good luck because we've built relationships with all the different detoxes um and and hospitals so we have really good luck in placing someone in within 24 to 36 hours usually it's the same day because we yeah. we have a lot of good relationships. Because people leave all the time, yeah. um, and it, and again, it does matter. On your insurance matters, yeah. Um, but some people with no insurance. We just a guy came from New Hampshire. He called me the other day. We arranged to have him transported down to Salt Station. We took him right from Salt Station, got him up to Tuxbury. He didn't even have an ID, oh. but I knew him. Um, I knew his mom, and so you know, we we, we can. We pay the $20 and get a mass ID, whatever it is. Yeah. But we, there's ways. If, if you want help, please call us because we'll bend over backwards right. for you. Yeah.
0: Um, for those who aren't uh, sophisticated enough to punch that button to give mm-hmm. you a donation, mm-hmm. if they wanted to write a check and mail you a donation, where would they mail it to? 21
1: Everett Street. So if you wanted to write a check and make a donation, you send it to 21 Everett Street. You can make the check out to Malden Overcoming Addiction. Twenty one Everett Street in Malden, 02148.
0: Right. And if you didn't have room enough when you check would M- MOA apply because right on that check. That's correct. Yeah. You can
1: write M O A right on the check. That's yeah. right.
0: Malden overcoming addiction. That's right. And that, that address Everett Street Twenty
1: one Everett Street. In Malden. In Malden. Okay. That's yeah. correct.
0: Yeah. Well thanks very much, Paul. Yeah. I appreciate you coming by. It's and, been a pleasure. Uh, I hope the response results in some kinds of positive things that uh, Uh, that you you need to get going with people. Uh, And as you were talking and uh, speaking about some of the complications and involvements you get. I mean, you have a life of your own beyond just this program. That's right. And it's, it's, uh, it's almost like a full-time job. And yet you have a lot of other things going on in your life.
1: I have a full-time job. I have a side business and I do this pretty much full-time as well. Yeah. 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 And you have a wife. I have a wife and I have, I have a little, a little girl.
0: Oh, congratulations. I didn't know that. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: think things are, yeah, it's busy. Yeah.
0: I guess it is. It's busy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Again, thanks very much, sir. Thank you for Uh, your time. And that's, 21?
1: 21 Everett Street in Malden.
0: And if you don't want to write it all out, it's M-O-A, capitalized. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. That's okay, right. Paul, thank you sir. Sure. for by. Have a great night. Yeah. Just uh, a little change of pace. Um, we have uh, coming up uh, this Saturday uh, at the um, the Malden High School. It's the, uh, the Asian Culture Club of Malden high school and and the mall and the Chinese con- culture connection and the mall Asian community are proud to announce the 2018 Chinese New Year celebration for the year of the dog and um that's going to be Saturday February 10th it's at 1 to 5 p.m. at Jenkins auditorium and um there's also there's also um uh, Vendors there and booths there and information that's available for for um, what's all that part of the, the Chinese New Year. And uh, again, it's a, it's a take-in for just someone to learn a little bit more about uh, uh, someone's different culture and equally as important to get a chance to intermingle with people that from the neighborhood, both here in Malden and outside. But the big part of it is that um, the, the Year of the Dog is the 11th of 12 stamps in the celebration Lunar New Year. The year the year of the door begins on February 16th and ends on February 4th, next year. So, uh, and as is, is part of the recognition that Malden, um, not just Malden, but the United States Post Office is gonna have a stamp. But there's lots of things going on, and again, it's 1 to 5 p.m. It's at the, this coming Saturday, and it's at the, the Malden High School on Salem Street. The other thing I wanted to mention, there are sometimes People you may know, maybe your own experience in life, that uh, uh, you're a bit short uh, in between paychecks, or maybe if you get temporary, hopefully uh, temporary unemployment, or there's some financial issues that you have on a current basis, and you may find that uh, there isn't really even sometimes money for food, but there is a free... Um, uh, Sponsored by the the free evening meal, sponsored by the uh, Mal, uh, Malden's Bread of Life, an organization that has been in place here in Malden. It's, it's located now on Eastern Avenue. And uh, they they have uh, Tuesdays, they have takeout meals on 54 Eastern Avenue. On Wednesdays, uh, they're at the Malden Legion on 368 Pleasant Street from 530 to 630. On Thursday, they're again at the Marlin Legion on Pleasant Street at 530 to 630. And on Friday, they're at the First Baptist Church on 493 Main Street in Marlon. Again, it's from 530 to 630. The program or the meals are open to anybody in need. It can be adults, it can be children. And um, those people that show up, they, there's volunteers that, that are serving the meals. There's no questions asked. It's there to to help those in whether it's on a temporary or an ongoing basis, uh, in which case uh, you just have to stop by. You'll get a well-nourished meal. At the same time, um, you might be in a position that uh, when when your personal situation improves, that either you can volunteer, as people have done in the past, or more important than that, sometimes you'd be in a position to make a financial contribution. But... It's a type of program that's been very, very successful and it's impacted on a positive basis a lot of people, some of whom you probably know in your own neighborhoods, in some instances within your own family. But it's, again, a program that's, um, the doors always open on those Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday nights. So hopefully, um, if, it, if you, you know of anybody that might be in need, whether they're uh Neighbors, friends, or relatives, or you yourself, sometimes are in a situation that is, would entitle you to uh, an opportunity. to Come, please join the other folks there. The ironic part about it is, there was just an article in the um, in the Boston Globe this past week. We're talking about college students that uh, they're going to very expensive schools, and in some instances, because of once uh, the the loans are taken out and all those other things are related to the to the pay in the tuitions, that um, they're on a tight budget, and and when they've done surveys, even schools like MIT and other uh, schools of that type, uh, they find out that some of the students admit that there's certain days of the month they maybe go to bed hungry because um, they don't have the money in the budget to maybe to get a meal that day or that evening. So uh, it isn't just restricted to the people who have who have uh, things that happen negatively in their lives, they, they, it sometimes happens to um, uh, students who, in the future, are going to be making a lot of money. But at the moment, as as students today, they don't have enough money sometimes to cover their food needs for for the entire month. So uh, you look upon that as a temporary situation. But whether it's temporary or indefinite, then in more than you have the bread of life. Uh, I also um took an article out of paper the other day I was kind of interested it, it Bob um Brian is a, a writer for the Globe uh, uh he started many years ago as in the basketball he's he's a very knowledgeable about any and all sports and uh he's been on TV over the years he's he's also a person who uh, has strong opinions about a lot of different things relative to the sports and on the one thing he has in his favor that uh, if you chose to get into a discussion with him or you disagree with him, I think you'd find that uh, he has a lot of facts and figures and uh, historical information that justifies whatever position he takes. So he's a very interesting guy. He's But he did list in a um, in an article, and it turns out that uh, um, in Bob Ryan's case, uh, he listed the the 10 greatest all-time here uh, in Massachusetts, uh, uh, and really more particularly in Boston for uh, 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 achievements as athletes. And um, I thought, because I, I had kind of mixed in two articles together, one by Dan Shaughnessy about um, Tom Brady. This was, of course, before last Sunday, and that uh, Tom Brady was the... Um, could be considered the greatest. And then, of course, you have uh, people that say, well, yeah, Bobby Orr, among others, that said, well, that's a possibility. But I thought, when I looked at the article, as I thought about it, in my mind, the greatest athlete in the history of um, Boston sports was Bill Russell. He may not be the most likable personality, but the reality was that, without doubt, his successes at every level, whether it be college, with the national championships, uh, with the um, Olympics gold medal winners, and to have won uh, world championships 13 uh, in 13 years, he 11 times. That's an astounding uh, ch- achievement. Now, it's true, he was uh, here in Boston at a time when um, you didn't have uh, the 32 teams in basketball. You didn't have the uh, 32 teams in uh football you didn't have the, the numbers of uh major league teams so all of the sports obviously have changed over the years it's uh you didn't have player agents you didn't have um, uh caps you didn't have all the kinds of things you're dealing with in this day in in this era of of competition and the restrictions as you did when he was a um, a factor with the Boston Celtics but um, to give you the rundown, in, in Bob Ryan's opinion, uh, Bill Russell was the greatest uh, all-time all time great here in the Boston, and he had um, um, Tom Brady as second, which was a good choice. He had Bobby Orr third, Ted Williams fourth, Larry Bird fifth, and then as you go down the line, you have Bob Cousy seventh, Ray Bork eighth, um, David Ortiz ninth, and and you had Collier Correa tenth. Uh, we, I wouldn't want to discuss um, in a few minutes the um, <laughs> ten different positions, but in my mind, I agree with Russell. Um, in in, um, in the case of Brady, and one of the factors in Brady's f- favor is, is the championships. Russell had eleven. Brady's has has five, and uh, Bobby Orr has uh, three, I believe. And um, Ted Williams didn't have any. But I would, in my mind, I would have put Bird ahead of Orr, and I would have put uh, Williams at least third, if not uh, second. I mean, as a hitter, uh, w- without doubt, he was the all-time greatest hitter in the Boston era, maybe in baseball during the height of his career career, and when you allow for the interruptions twice by being uh, called into the surfaces, his records and achievements would have even been greater than they were. And uh, But I do think that um, uh, Bobby Orr, as great as he was, and he certainly was uh, uh, a star among other stars with the Bruins in those era, um, he didn't have a long career, and again, that was a case of... Uh, Injuries, particularly with the with the knees, and um, it curtailed what he could have been able to achieve if he had been re- able to remain healthy. Part of the reason he didn't remain healthy was that he was so aggressive on the on the ice that and he, he ended up sometimes getting in the, bang, banged around physically, and it took a toll in in the years that uh, when he could have been achieving even greater things. But anyway, it's an interesting choice among the ten people and. Uh, There could be others that people could think of as you listen to what the the names filter out here that you you disagree with. But I kind of think Bird was ahead of all only because uh, he has much impact in it for a longer time with the Celtics. And that he, again, was a person that would have played longer if his career wasn't curtailed by uh, his back issues. But... There there it is. Anyway, you might uh, not agree with Bill Russell, but if you were around at that time, he was an amazing uh, basketball player, and uh, one as a player and one as a coach. And he uh, was a very a strong, opinionated person, which sometimes in life that doesn't always help you when you're, when you're getting asked to be uh, accepted for votes, because uh, Ted Williams would be a good example of that too. But anyway... Um, that's kind of the things that uh, we wanted to talk about today from a sports vantage. Um, a couple of comments I'd also like to make about current news, and that is that uh, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's these memos are floating around in Washington, and uh, it's kind of difficult sometimes to even bother to turn on the news because it's, so. you go to different stations, and they're talking about the same thing, and you can get Quite a difference of opinion between Fox News and CNN, but um, I just would like to throw a reminder when they're talking about the FBI, as much as they've been put on a pedestal by some of the people in Washington at this time, and they're deserving so, the reality is there's been a history. If you can remember years ago when J. Hoover was the director for 40-some-odd years, they did a lot of things that were legal, and he also ignored the reality of the, the uh the, the Mafia because he was hell-bent on ferrying out communists in government, so the uh, FBI certainly in those days didn't fulfill their obligation to the to the Constitution and to the country that they should have and it was partly because of the prejudices of the of the director who enforced his own feelings and opinions on, on the public and he was able to manipulate some presidents as a matter of fact. That's that's the other thing. One final thing I would also like to comment on, and that is that um, on this Russian investigation, which I think should continue on, should come to some formal conclusion at some point, that um, the fact it is that I do personally think, from what I've been able to ferret out from the reading over the, t- the times since before and since the election, that the Russians did involve themselves in our election. I don't think their involvement influenced the final decision of the voters. And we have to exempt the uh, in one way that the most people voted for the candidate who wasn't elected. The way the system is set up with the Electoral College, the election was won fair and square and by the rules that were in place and will continue to be in place I would assume in the into the near distant future, but uh, there should be some repercussions from the Russians getting involved. But the, the I think what it, what came out of this was that the the, uh, the American people overall in the states that when you add up the numbers decided to vote for a person who had no political background was no near nowhere near uh, the resume of Hillary Clinton, but probably if you were able to read into people's minds some of the difficulty that um, she, she faced when she was a candidate, that to a lot of people, she wasn't likable. And to think that he was able to get elected with some of the stands that he took, with some of the opinions that he expressed for some of his actions, both um, uh, while a candidate and prior to being a candidate, that would have torpedoed most other candidates, it would just suggest that the American people across the country uh, decided that they weren't happy with what was going on in Washington. They didn't want the same thing all over again, a recycled uh, person uh, as president. They wanted a change. They got him, and whether you agree with him or not, he's certainly been uh, a dynamic in a lot of his things. He doesn't seem to always do what he says he was going to do. He doesn't always seem to say the things that people, uh, when they hear it, uh, are surprised that, as it turns out, the next day, like it happened this week with that comment about, agreeing with his comment from the person from the audience suggested that uh, uh, the uh, Democrats, by not applauding, (laughs) were committing treason, and he said, yes. Well, then he said that was a tongue-in-cheek thing. I tell people, I think the toughest job is uh, being his his spokesperson at those at those uh, informational things that they have at the at the White House for the newspaper people, but I also have a hard time fathom how the the um, person who's representing him at that gathering, her father is a former governor of Arkansas, and I believe he's an ordained minister as well, is is on uh, Fox News sometimes as a commentator. Where I'm thinking it'd be a little hard for him to be uh, impartial with his daughter being in direct uh, contact constantly with the president. So whatever she says really is reflective of, of the what the president's thinking is, which whether you agree with it or not, she has to be the spokesperson to uh, get it out to the newspapers and try to put out the fires in it. But anyway, uh, again, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to see you next month, the first Wednesday at 7 o'clock.